0: Welcome back to the podcast. We are the Princes of Cinema.
1: Here's your intro music. But um, but um. Let's dive in.
0: Today we will be discussing Jaws and deciding whether it's all hype or if this is truly a great
1: film. I wanted this. Let's be honest. I wanted this. You went along with it. That's
0: that's true. I uh, I was apprehensive in was I was right was I correct to be apprehensive? We will find out i think we'll always have differences you have european
1: leanings lately this That's, is yeah this is an Warnstock. american film this is very it's new england not england by the way i'm
0: drinking the blue gatorade i opened that today uh um, followers of the show will remember that tim bought but did not drink a gatorade last episode
1: <laughs> i was saving it for jaws we actually let's say this we watch this together over zoom that's true. This is a first time. Yeah, it was scary. I was in the dark. There was a shark. Yep. Yeah. I mean, do you want to just do you want to just say what you feel about it? How do we begin this? I mean,
0: it's not a complex movie. Yeah, I think the very we could give a very basic synopsis for people who haven't seen it, but. Or just a refresher, because I imagine most people have seen this one. This isn't The Rules of the Game by Jean Renoir. So, 1975 film by Steven Spielberg, his second uh, theatrical release, which is surprising. With What like did how, he
1: release first? Well, is that, that the look? movie? I think there's a movie called Duel. Have you heard of that? Where it's Let's like a, it's like it. a guy being followed by a trucker and like 45 silent minutes later i think the truck falls off a cliff duel
0: am i right um, am i wrong that is he did a tv film that was his first tv film okay that is correct and then american graffiti I think that was George Lucas. I think his first <laughs> his first was The Sugarland Express. Okay, Starlight Express, Sugarland Express, American Graffiti, Nobody Nobody Cares. We're off to a great start <laughs> proving ourselves as experts here. <laughs> but it's about a New England town called Amity and there is a you know just a friendly sheriff And the film starts with a a girl skinny dipping, she's eaten by a shark. There's a guy too drunk to get in the water. And there's a town that wants to have a big 4th of July weekend with all the tourists coming into this island town. But there's a shark in the water. And some people care more about the shark, but some people care more about making that money. And then more people get eaten.
1: Yep. Right? Because well, let's talk about sighting. So the shark eats her in the dark. It's night yes. swimming. Then shark eats a second person.
0: Um, it's the kid.
1: Right. During a regular sunny day at the beach. It's like July yeah. 2nd. And then the shark finally goes into the pond and almost eats... Um, The sheriff's son, the sheriff, the captain, chief, the chief of police. Let's be correct. Okay, yes. Um, We got to get the names. Martin Brody. There's Brody, the police chief. Then, Mm -hmm. then, then you have the mayor. Oh yeah, we got the mayor, Mister. We will refer to as Mister. Mayor. Mister. Hooper comes in from the Oceanographic Institute, and he's here. He he loves sharks. He's gonna like study this thing and figure it out, and then they go for the bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. who has another name. You all know me. His name is Quint. Mr. Quint. Right. So those are the three. They caught. They capture a tiger shark, and they think, oh, look, there's been two deaths, but we got this tiger shark because all these guys go out in the mo-. You and I have to admit, we forgot yeah. all of this plot. We just remembered it was about a shark. Yeah. You
0: remember that uh, shot of Brody seeing the shark when he's, like, scooping chum, and then he, like, pops up Real suddenly and sharply. I,
1: I remember the opening scene of the girl getting eaten. I remember him being surprised by the shark, and I called it at the end of the day. Quint, I remember the shark gets to the bottom of the boat, and like mm-hmm. Quint, like slides down and gets crunched in his mouth. It's like it's not even in the
0: water; it's above water. Yeah, he gets a few nice swipes in at the end. I think that was one of the moments I remembered too, just because you know nobody likes the the mayor and his people. Right. So, there's so many ways we can take this. We could talk these themes. We could talk these performances. We can talk suspense as a...
1: I'm thinking themes because instead of going scene to scene or poignant scenes, we've done that previously. I think there are just kind of big questions and themes. That might be the way to go. Let's do it this way. Because scene-wise, your third attack is on the 4th of July. It goes into the pond. It eats that guy in the little boat. It almost eats... His son, but then afterwards, like halfway through the movie, I realized it's just these three men on a boat. Quint Cooper and I keep calling him Brody. Is that right? Brody, which yeah, is chief, <laughs> which is a funny name, <laughs> Brody. I I, 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 so like, and then they're on this boat for half of the movie, a full hour, and the shark keeps ramming their boat. They keep putting these spears into it so they could see the buoy. I didn't realize how buoyed those scenes were. There's always a buoy so
0: you could track the shark. That's kind of smart of Spielberg. Yeah. It gives you some criteria, which there's not much done to explain it, but they basically say, oh, he can't handle a buoy. It's going to tire him out. And then there's two buoys and then hold the phone three buoys. And this shark's still coming after the boat. And it's ramming the boat. I mean, it's it's yeah. actually... Just, it's like a rhinoceros shark. It's destroying yeah. the boat with every ram. Yeah, it's... And we should maybe even say, these are yellow buoys. And I had... Uh, you know, there there are some themes of color throughout. Oh, like really? The boy's raft is well, yellow.
1: enlighten me, because this is
0: news. I didn't catch any of this. So, I think... Uh, I watched a breakdown of the scene where everyone's going out onto the beach. And then just reflecting back on it, the kid who gets eaten is wearing red shorts, which is kind of no shocker here that if anybody knows any shark facts, and this may actually not be true, sharks like the color red, much like a bull. Which (laughs) I think are both maybe false, because bulls just like when you wave a big... uh, Cape it's also it's, I've also heard from
1: surfers because I've done some surfing over the years that people are encouraging bright colored wetsuits so the shark won't confuse you for a seal when you wear black interesting anyway,
0: that's opposite research,
1: but it's hearsay, but that that is actually affecting marketing currently
0: yeah but psychologically, as a film viewer, you see red shorts, and I also think that there's maybe this kind of McDonald's color scheme, which I don't know the yellow and the red together. It's a kid in red shorts laying on a yellow raft, which may even play to the the theme of unmitigated capitalism, killing people. Uh, you're, you're going layers deep there. That's- I'm going layers deep. I think that there is some sort of subconscious thing that it's trying to communicate here, where this yellow, maybe it's just literally the traffic light is warning or a yield kind of sign. I can see
1: that. Let me give you other things, visuals that stand out to me. Yeah. Um, the actor, I had looked up his name. Captain Brody. What is his What is his real name? Can I look this up quickly? Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. I've seen him in one other film, but I, I don't know how to say this except just to say it. Okay. It's not that his face is shark-like, but it's like he has the perfect <laughs> face for the guy facing Jaws. He has that nose, he's kind of serious. You you take him seriously, it's like, yeah, this is a police captain who's going to hunt a shark just because of the shape of his face. Does that make any Mm -hmm. sense?
0: Yeah. He's got, and he's kind of got that weathered tan, too. Right. Can I say it's like a shark skin?
1: I think it is, and he's a cigarette smoker, so it gives him that edge of like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's an adult. He's smoking cigarettes every scene. Yeah, I mean, I I don't th- like I think that even just visually, and you have Richard Dreyfus who before ever imagining Mr. Holland's Opus is going to be Mr. Hooper, who loves sharks. He says a lot of Latin genus species names. He's enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. He's a nerd. I mean, especially before Big the sh- b- when they're in the cabin of and 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 the shark rams late at night and like disturbs them and stuff. When they're in the cabin. After they're out there chumming, and you have the first appearance of Jaws, I remember specifically like it was the nerdiest scene of the whole film. They're joking, they're showing each other scars, like he and
0: Quint yeah. are like comparing scars and stories. I got that one beat, and they're just getting drunk as hell, singing shanties. Yeah, but it
1: was he—he he was just full. He was an unmitigated nerd at that moment,
0: Hooper. Yeah. And 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 that was his attempt to seem like a man. Right. I'm going to impress you. Where I think that there is... This is another theme, and maybe we're bouncing, but this idea of masculinity, you see it throughout this film of kind of what is a
1: man... Only people willing to hunt sharks, or only people willing to make money.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you got the men saying, look, buddy, we got to have a great 4th of July. The mayor's pulling him aside. And then the I guess it's the coroner said, who knows, maybe she got, you know, the woman who got eaten at the very beginning, maybe she got caught in a boat or something. And he said he's willing to sign off on it. And just these kind of corrupting, uh, manipulating influences from these old money guys. And there's like the whole... And then you have all these this moment of all the men in the town are like i'll go get them and they all take out their tiny little boats and they're just like shooting guns into the water and throwing blood throwing livers into the water yeah and i think it is just this real performance of masculinity of look how this yeehaw we're going out after it and then they come and they catch this kind of small shark eventually a tiger shark just padding yeah everyone's just patting themselves on the back
1: but but it is an interesting trio because that's the setup you have for the second half of the movie three different kinds of men you mm-hmm. have you have Quint who is this backwater tough guy you have an oceanographer who's a nerd mm-hmm. but is actually fairly courageous frankly and yeah. knowledgeable and then you also have Brody who in the end see I think we're so familiar with Jaws, at, at least we may not remember the details, but we remember the shark is killed in the end. And so we don't have the privilege of like a first-time viewer to think, full suspense, what's going to happen. But for the last scene, for Quint to be eaten, Hooper to be scuba diving because he lost his spear way down in the coral reef, basically... In the shark, after the shark cage is destroyed. Right. But for Brody to be left alone in a sinking ship with a rifle... I mean, frankly, yeah. that's a pretty good, like, suspenseful scene that he doesn't like the water. He doesn't... He's just a police captain. He doesn't want to be a part of this, and he's facing this charging shark. Of course, it's Spielberg, so you, you, he has to shoot it in the oxygen tank in its mouth, and it's going to just blow up in an entire volcano of blood and guts. I mean, you can expect that, but yeah. there's still suspense you involved. look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that they're not the same kind of man, the three of them. And actually, I think it is suspenseful that the one who's least equipped to be there is the one who kills the shark.
0: Yeah, because one of the uh, character traits of Brody is that he's afraid of the water. So you've got this um, limit on him the whole film. So he wants to... I think that and maybe this is playing off the masculinity thing too where he wants to control what's going on in the water but he's too afraid to kind of do something about it right so he's sitting there on the beach he's held back he's sort he's not taking agency he's taking orders from the mayor and the moneyed interest and and he's you know they start the scene on the boat with him like trying to tie knots but he just keeps doing it wrong and everyone's just bossing him around both of them both Hooper and Quint is like what are you doing and yeah
1: it, it and Hooper too I, I was just rewatching the scene where so Quint is when they, fir, when they first see the shark out there that's the famous scene where Brody's chumming some blood and then the, 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 he's smoking a cigarette and the shark just comes up in the chum mm-hmm. and like launches at the boat and he's shocked. We're going to need a bigger boat. Famous line. Yeah. But before that, Quint is up in the crow's nest just this professional hunter relaxing and I-, I noticed too that in both scenes he's like looking down at Hooper who's just playing solitaire on deck. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's kind of relaxed in that situation except for Brody. Um, and it's actually I mean, but that's drama, right? There, That's The drama is that the unlikely character that, as Shakespeare says, some people are born great, some others, but he has greatness thrust upon him. It's like, this is your job whether you like it or not. And he does his job in the end. I actually think it makes for just a good plot structure, that he's kind of an unlikely hero, and it comes down to him in the end. And he aims well, mm-hmm. and the shark is blown to bits. It's like, all right, good movie. Now, let me ask you this. Besides yeah. the theme of masculinity, jump around a little bit. Different, different aspects. So, things that come to mind. Audience, uh, this is a crowd pleaser. So I'm going to go back to our days watching WCW because my parents okay. didn't let me watch WWF. It was, it was too, sexy too sexy and too violent. I think so. Or we didn't get the channel. We only got basic cable. We could see WCW on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. And you remember Diamond Dallas Page. DDP. And you remember his nickname. The Diamond Cutter. Now oh. that's his move. What's oh. his nickname? His claim—he wasn't the champion. He was the—is it the people's champion? He was the people's champion. You see that sign? I'm giving you the diamond there. (laughs) See that? So I'm just saying, like, there's something about that. About we can say, oh, is this a great piece of like cinema, the thing itself? But it's also an—it's a crowd pleaser. People love it. I people people love it, and people are also affected by it. I know. I just talked to a guy, Tony D'Angelo, who lives next door to us in Philadelphia. He's this Italian guy from Sicily. I said, hey, I'm watching Jaws tonight. He's like, oh, that's great. Great movie. I love that film. I was like, yeah. He goes, he goes, it was filmed up in Massachusetts. He goes, soon after it was filmed, he's like, you know, I was there. I had a real good pair of binoculars with my brother. He goes, we saw a shark. He goes, I went to the lifeguard. The lifeguard looked through his binoculars. He goes, no, it's a, it's a dolphin. I said, it's not a dolphin. He goes, it, it's an umbrella. He goes, it's not an umbrella. He said, take my binoculars. Then, like, he gave the lifeguard his binoculars, and, then, and he's like, it is a shark. So they blew the whistle. I mean, this guy had just seen That's Jaws so in his first beach trip to Massachusetts where it's filmed. Like, he actually spies a shark, and it's like, we got to clear the water. we got to be more cautious around here. <laughs> I actually know people. I've talked to two people in the last two months. I'm not lying. I'm not doing this for the show. That said they don't swim in the ocean because they saw Jaws. It affects people. Yeah. Makes you think. I mean, it's a little unrealistic. If you take shark statistics like the, of, yeah. of attacks, it's more dangerous to get into a car. And even then, even though they say in the movie, you know, do, is it true that most shark attacks occur within three feet of water? They're like, yes. But every scene... It's just like if you go to the beach, people are mostly waist deep, just letting waves crash against them. Every scene here is like 12 feet of water. Everybody in crowds are treading water. <laughs> you just see their legs, which is cool for the shark perspective. The cameras always kind of in the shark's perspective. But right, it's right. as if everybody's
0: in 20 feet of water when they're on the beach. Yeah, that would, that would feel so unnerving if you went to the beach and everyone was just deep <laughs> treading water the whole time. But that's every scene. Yeah, it is. It truly is. The shark is a good 10
1: feet under those legs kicking around. And every girl, too, is just like, in any romantic scene, I, I, I'll tell this later, I actually jumped ahead and checked out some of the later Jaws stuff. I have a whole sequel theory, but mm-hmm. every girl who's like pretty and young, she's just like, let's go night swimming. And the guy's like, okay, but it's just like, it's as if every instinct is, I'm just going to swim way out there in the dark because this is what yeah. girls do. It's like, I don't know girls that do that. And I've lived in beach towns.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very, there's so many things there. I think that there are certain ways in which gender's used in these things. So you've got, there's almost like, I don't know. There's a lot of sacrifice of the virgin thematic stuff here, right at the very beginning, or the, or it's almost like a punishment for women stepping out of their role. And it seems, in a way, and then you have the one uh, larger woman who is the red herring in the scene where the kid gets eaten. She walks out and she's floating, and it feels. And they keep just like showing her, well, like chilling in the water and it's like what is the point of this and it does feel like sort of a a bad joke a little bit it's pretty broad though like because jaws is
1: a monster movie almost every monster movie there's some woman that gets lured in whether it's like a more human version phantom of the opera king kong whether it's um trying to you know anaconda jennifer lopez
0: i mean i'm sorry i I went there I think, I mean, I'm sorry you did, but (laughs) no, I think the reason is, who are the first two people killed here? It's a young girl, and it's a child, a boy. Right. And I think that the intention of this is to turn on our sense of empathy or fear, and I think that is playing to some of the masculine themes in the film. Yeah, it, it's, it's, of, a, it's a yeah, it's damsel. It's your job to protect. Right.
1: To protect. Da- it's a damsel in distress theme. It's kind yes. of, yeah, yeah it's actually kind of a rote theme. It's sort of like, yeah, we can expect this. there's a monster, there's a girl in trouble, or a village yeah. in trouble. Where's a man to save? Can we get a man to save these people? Yeah.
0: It's kind of a... Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think it is somewhat critical of that view, too, especially when you see all these There's 30 men trying to crowd around this shark for the photo to take credit for how they did it. Um, But I think it reinforces it probably to some extent as well. I also think just going back off of what you said about people who won't go into the ocean. And I remember reading, what was I think it was reading Carl Jung in college or something. But there's this idea that certain bodies of like a body of water or outer space or the forest these sort of natural habitats are uh basically a canvas onto which we can project our subconscious and which maybe shows the distinction between romantic uh, writers or what are the not anti-romantic i can't remember sort of like moby dick herman melville where you have these is the ocean a place for fear and wild and danger, or is this a, or is this sort of a place for awe and wonder and mystery? What do you do with these uh, forces of nature that are not immediately controllable by mankind? And I think this film is effective because it's pulling off of a, a real psychological phenomenon and you know to the point where it's changing people's behavior 40 plus years later
1: yeah i think it it's it's obviously not it's not fantasy i mean it's an exaggeration of something real it's it's just an extra large shark but there are sharks that attack people and it yeah. happens and we also just you know comparing it to there's something creepier about the water too you know you could being, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio in Revenant and get attacked by a bear it's like a bear attack is scary but when you can't see under the water that's the scary thing is that we're just yeah. very limited um and it's even that extra level of sort of mystery I think even in nature you know it's we're, we're not used to living in nature but we're especially not meant to live in the sea it's like the one big mm-hmm. place on planet earth that doesn't really belong to us at all um that's, I mean, we're floating yeah. on top of it constantly, especially if we're like using it for commerce or travel or fishing, whatever. I think too. Um, yeah, it's 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 simply you know a regular real life scary situation just exaggerated and crafted into a story. I think that's yes. what's great about it. I I have a lot more love of Jaws than I would um, an alien encounter movie. There's just too much license. It's like it. it it sort of opens these avenues of, is this real? And if it's not, should I enjoy it? And I, I'm I'm all in for a shark movie. I mean, sharks are actually scary, and this shark is scary, and there's not a lot of questions in between.
0: Yeah. There, there is... Because a shark looks like a dinosaur. And it is, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I never. Thought, it's yeah. as complicated and as simple as that. A shark looks like a dinosaur, and I think that there is no matter how far we've come. There's always going to be some threat, right? Where you're going out into the water,
1: and the, the contrast too. Think of that. It's not just this threat. You know, oh, I'm a, I'm a fisherman. I'm approaching a storm. It's like people are on vacation, trying to relax, trying to have the best week of their year. And in that context, that bright Uh and sunny context, you have, like, a man-eater. That's also part of the real-life drama, is that people are having fun
0: and on vacation, and horrible things can happen. I think that that leads me to another theme, which is... I don't know exactly how to frame it, but the COVID parallels that we're seeing in the film. You always do this. I do this, and I have to, (laughs) but... The, the theme of people not wanting to acknowledge a reality that they don't like. So if there's something inconvenient or uh, you know they, they hold this meeting and people, there are rumors about this about the shark in the water and then you hear everybody sort of like talking you get little snippets of conversation before the meeting actually starts and The people who own businesses are like, well, they better not close it. And then someone was like, we're going to close it for 24 hours. Then you hear somebody go, 24 hours? That's like three weeks. (laughs) And and I do think that I keep getting uh, connected to this throughout our lives now. But there is this weird combination of catastrophizing that you see a lot of people do and then also people unwilling to acknowledge unpleasant realities and it's funny how those both exist together uh and i guess as a society you need people in different positions to sort of balance it out or it just so happens that we are structured that way there's also a parallel too is like the most
1: calm you're right people can exaggerate and think the world's over the summer's over or people can just say nothing's happening but it's true too i think hooper in this movie is probably the most realistic and the most calm um because he's a scientist i mean that is the element it's the 70s Science is especially on the rise um and there's something about that too in this day and age too i've I've found most comfort and the most peaceable, comforting people to be people that can just kind of explain what's going on and what's likely versus a lot of mm-hmm. hearsay. Um, and I think that's true. There's a parallel there, COVID and Jaws. I mean, there's also a a, a whole just simple parallel of closing the beaches. Everyone was asking that. Are we going to close the beaches because of COVID? And, you know, yeah. not exactly. America must have... Their beaches, and I get that. I mean, nobody wants to miss a single summer, you know. You you notoriously love the beach. Yeah, I go every day off in summer. See, here's let me let me talk about my habits briefly. This um, is what people want. Well, let me let me let me give two beach. Yeah, people want person. People like when you're personable.
0: They want to yeah. They want to get to know you.
1: Well, here I am. Um, I in summer go to the Jersey Shore an hour away to read, swim, relax on my day off, Wednesdays. I go to Atlantic City because it's a poor beach, but it's a family beach. It's free. It's cheap. It's, it's an hour and four minutes from my house, which is really ideal, but I only go in summer. And there's something, this is personal for me, there's something about, it's true, that outside of the three months of the summer window... The beach is actually kind of windy and cold in this desolate place. I actually just Mm -hmm. miss summer if I go walk on the beach in spring, fall, etc. It actually just makes it worse for me. So, I mean, there is something about we've chosen vacation time, we've chosen art. Like, there's, there's a sense of... I get that in a way. I don't think it always justifies shark attack or crowded beaches with COVID. I mean, those are all up for debate. Let me give you an example, too. I remember in the early 2000s, there was this big heat wave in France, and there were a number, like a huge number of elderly that died, and a lot of their families were on their, like, two- or 3 week vacation in the south of France, and major cities like Paris had to basically rent out warehouses to turn into refrigerators just to hold, like, you know, morgues, so to speak, just because I don't think, you know, people vacationing in south of France are insane or especially cruel, but there was something about, like, well, a lot of their parents, their elderly parents died, and they were in the middle of a two-week vacation. It's that question, should they all rush home, or should they just wait, you know? I mean, hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think as 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 modern people— More COVID overlap here. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's this question of we have precious free time, vacation time, and I don't think it's— I don't think it's this horrific thing that people feel possessive about that. I, I mean, I, I see the tension. Just because there's also something about we feel that we have very little free time and we're protective of it. It's just a, I'm just naming it as an
0: instinct, you know. This is, I think, very true. And I would even say that this speaks to the one of the original points we talked about, which is the influence of capitalism over decision-making. I think that... People might be less protective of their time at the beach if they didn't get eleven, twelve days a year to do that. Right. You know. I mean, your scenario is different. But for, mo- exactly for most, for most people, yeah. most people get like a week window, maybe two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Can can I can I jump briefly best.
1: just for fun? Jump. I want to jump to a few things. Can we talk about Put the on ca- those moon shoes? Uh-huh. Camera work. I thought the yes. lighting in this movie, I thought this was a really well-shot movie. It was pleasant to watch. Mm-hmm. It felt like summertime. I thought, good job. I mean, this this was... Um, I'm going to jump next. My next theme is sequels. I, I have a whole sequel theory I'm going to pitch to you. But what did you think first about basically camera work and soundtrack? Because those work together with yeah, the famous soundtrack. We started with yeah. that. That little half step. thats I, I thought it was pretty yeah. effective in terms of... I mean, two hours flew by. It was sort of, here we are on this boat in this beach town. I thought the uh, yeah. lighting, camera, music, I just thought it was fitting. I don't have better
0: theories. You know, I've got... I want to talk about the camera even more and like the way that it leads to suspense and how these all things all these elements work together because you got this music this almost Stravinsky-esque theme which has this chaotic quality to it yes or the foreboding escalating yes um, yeah now you're hungry like a shark <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there were just some absolutely gorgeous shots in this even the start of the film, where this girl is being eaten, the guy's laying there on the beach, and the water's slowly coming up, and you can see this. It's, I guess, dusk at this point. I'm not exactly sure what time, but you can see sort of the pastel colors in the sky in the, behind him, with, of course, a reddish tint. Um, there, there were just a few takes that I thought were striking. One was when... Quint is out on the gangplank or whatever, like out on the nose of the ship. I think they kept calling it the pulpit, like a church term.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Oh, yeah.
0: And he's just kind of sitting and the shot's low. And it was, it was interesting how they captured being in the water so well. I feel like often when you see uh, films in the water or shot around it, there's... They do more of just shooting the bubbles and stuff. Right. <laughs> there was, it was It was amazing how clear they were able to make it and shift the perspective at the same time as, like, kind of escalate and build the
1: tension. Now, I would only say this. I think something that took away from the tension, we actually laughed about this in watching it, is certain scenes of, the sh- of chasing the shark, Spielberg changes the music... Not uh-huh. Spielberg, John Williams, from yeah. Stravinsky to sort of this adventure theme. It's like it's like Dvorak or something, and it, <laughs> yeah. and like the shark's still there; it's still trying to kill you. But there were some silly music scenes.
0: I was like, "Is this is this appropriate? This is supposed to be a thriller." Yeah, there was. I was like, "This is the Home Alone sequence." This kind of <laughs> Everyone's going, and we're on our way to Christmas. Uh, I I would like to think that that was intentional, because what that does is it makes you think that they're on the they're on the ascendancy and they're going to get this shark. But then uh, one of them's cage is smashed, and the other one's eaten. And you know, I just, if I was going to edit this film for Spielberg,
1: dare I say so? I might. That might mm-hmm. be one element I think would be a nice little fix. See, I have reverence for good cinema, but I also I have personal opinions, you know I was like, yeah, that music I mean, yeah, it was I would just say this: it was thrilling in moments. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and we you were wondering, is this just going to be silly? are we going to make fun of it? I think for what it was, it was a really good film. I thought it was it was realistic beach town. I thought some of the capitalism of the mayor arguing—he's obviously not a well-developed character. This town's going to stay open. It's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. That's—it's sort of pedantic. Like, sure, there's going to be some stubborn mayor, Boo-hoo. But then I think mm-hmm. when when you actually get there was I was I was afraid at times. I was watching it in the dark. There, are, you, you're, you you jump at times. Um, I definitely jumped. And then. It ends. I mean, they actually, they actually don't. Anyway, I thought it was a good ride. I, I, it reminds me, too, not everything has to have a deep amount of gravitas. Not every film has to just be a drama. I think there are really good thrillers, and this is probably really a good American film for a reason. Yeah. I, I, I have another criticism. You know, I, I think um, I recently watched Rocky because I'm living in Philadelphia. Actually, during quarantine as a house, we watched all eight Rockies. I, uh, this wow. gets into another theme. I, I think Rocky's okay. I just, I saw the, you can't understand any word of dialogue. He's sort of this creepy guy going after this, like, girl that works at a pet store. And then he just, like, is throwing haymakers whenever he gets in the ring. I, maybe that's doing it an injustice. But I was like, ah, Rocky's fine, I guess. And then I think. With Rocky, it sort of stays the same. It's like the gentle waves of the ocean. It's it's kind of okay the whole time. I thought with the Jaws... I want to launch into sequel theories. So I think this was a very good film. I think it's really downhill from here. I I spied around a little bit. Because remember I told you I remembered some long hand-washing scene with Mm -hmm. Brody. That's Jaws 2. He comes back from some research. He's like... Washing his hands for 45 seconds. These are the few images I retained over all the years. If you look at this, Jaws 2 is, uh, lacks, I think, all creativity. There's no explanation why there's another shark just like this. It's just back. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Brody. This time the shark's coming after his kids. Basically, there are two things that happen in Jaws 2, besides that hand-washing scene. I don't know why I remember that. First, there's a water skier who gets killed so that's kind of a new thing oh next trick you know jaws is going to eat a water skier a girl water skiing of course and then he goes after all these teenagers it's like these teenagers in little sailboats and just the whole end sequence for a half hour is just these constant charges at sailboats and just screaming teenagers and then he gets electrocuted and set on fire and it's real dumb It's not a good film. Yeah. Jaws 3... I mean, that was not directed by Spielberg, we should say. Jaws 3 is even worse. Even just the lettering is like this explosive red lettering. Um, Mm -hmm. The soundtrack is awful. And you not only have water skiers getting eaten, you're having water skiers on a pyramid. You know those pyramid formations? (laughs) He's going after pyramids of them. And it's happening in Florida at a SeaWorld, like this new SeaWorld park that he gets into... Eventually, there's this underwater, like, space station. People get trapped in the machine room, and there's flooding. It's all bad news. None of it's good. And then... You're making me want to watch this. Wait for it. Jaws 4, starring Brody's wife, Brody's children come back. He does not. Who is her new lover? Michael Caine. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to you, I was shocked. That's but that's beneath Michael Caine. How did that happen? And they're down in the Bahamas, and he's like this, like gambler who's in love with Brody's wife. And then again, there's just more shark business. But I, uh, I thought I, I, would just say this: there's originality, but there's there's this this raises the question of sequels. There are very few good sequels,
0: I think. Mm. Um, I think that I has to do with the nature of like a film and what it's supposed to do. If you want to write a bunch of sequels, make a TV show. I said it here. I said it here first. Wow. Unless it's like Lord of the Rings where you're doing a book series. But that's like a sequential thing and like intended to be a longer story from the beginning. There is an artifice to what a narrative a film is, and that's usually a 90 minute to two and a half hour story with uh, some semblance of a three-act structure as fragmented and dispersed as it can be. One thing before we wrap up I want to touch on is teasing our next episode, which will be on Hitchcock, and I think you can very clearly see Jaws and Spielberg and the suspense and thriller aspects of this in the lineage of uh, Hitchcock, and I guess Hitchcock had a quote about Spielberg after seeing this and some of his other films that he's one of the first directors to completely ignore the fourth wall. And and you can see, like, in the scene on the beach where he notices that, and I, I think I called this out yesterday when we were watching it, there's the Vertigo shot where uh brody's on the beach he kind of wants to go in the water but he keeps tiptoeing around there's people whispering in each other's ears like hey why don't you get in the water make everyone feel better and then the kid actually gets bitten he uh he has this moment where like the camera it's a thing where you dolly and zoom opposite each other i think and it creates this where you're moving closer to the subject but the the space around them, is right? It's warping. like it's like that
1: zoom in on his shocked face, sitting in his yeah. beach chair, but it's like blurry.
0: Yeah, it gives this distorted feeling. So that's like straight out of Hitchcock, but you've got these things where they keep kind of teasing it instead of just immediately having a shark grab the kid, and just the tension that's building as everyone's watching and sort of, you know. At a previous time, they had kids play a trick where there's a fin. Then there's some guy doing swimming. He's swimming and he has a weird, you know, uh, swim cap on that made Brody think it was a shark. So you keep seeing his mind jump and put explanations onto the world. So it keeps teasing these things, and then you know, eventually, you're saying that, that's that's kind up. of Hitchcock style. Yeah, there's like a Hitchcock quote where he's like if you show a bomb blow up and then people scream you've got 10 seconds of suspense or shock but if you say there's a bomb under the table and it's gonna blow up in 10 minutes then you've got people counting and keeping track of this in mind and there's also a component with Rear Window which one of the films we're gonna see where where there's a powerlessness to intervene For Brody, a lot of the movie, he is unable to do anything because he's afraid to go in the water for reasons they don't really explain. But then you also have stuff like those oxygen tanks, which end up being the murder weapon at the very end. They keep showing how fragile and how explosive these things are. And you get a bunch of close calls with those. I love animals, but I I wouldn't go so far as to call it murder. They didn't murder Jaws. (laughs) I mean, they killed him. They blew him up. Yeah. I guess in the Hitchcock and whatever. You're correct.
1: Let me give this, too. This is just my meditation. Uh, Spielberg may have been looking back at Hitchcock, but I think other people later have taken from these themes. Let's talk just briefly about Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which we both Mm -hmm. love, Wes Anderson. Yes. There are also similarities in, in borrowing there, I thought, you know, remember when all the guys are loading up the boats to try and go get the shark initially? He's like, is that dynamite? You know, and then there's that line from... They ask Steve Zisu, how are you going to go and kill the jaguar shark? He goes, I don't know, I haven't thought about it yet. Maybe dynamite. <laughs> but there's, a I don't know, the whole theme of hunting for a killer shark that ate your friend. Yeah. Um, and you're a little bit down and out. There aren't exact parallels, but I I, I, I still think that... I'm learning really? as we're watching more movies, directors are constantly commenting on each other, and you realize how well-versed they are in one another. And I mm-hmm. certainly think anybody like Wes Anderson is going to base some scenes and some aspects, you know, the, kind of the motley crew, all different personalities on board. That's not always true in real life. I've worked on fishing boats over the summer, um, and it's you, you can also just get a lot of rough guys, and they're all on crew. But this was sort of when you have these characters and they're all coming together one's a scientist one's the captain one's this Um, yeah I I saw some some Life Aquatic uh, I saw some some echoes in the Life Aquatic of Jaws for sure I mean they're both movies about
0: hunting a killer shark yeah it's just funnier yeah revenge on a shark for what it's done right should we give this give this guy our final review oh gosh well, what,
1: let's go through the list again. Number one so far is La Dolce Vita. Number two is what we just watched. No, because we, we punted with Chaplin.
0: Yeah, Chaplin's. we said we were going to hold on Chaplin. He's in orbit. He's, yeah, he's, he's in orbit. What, the holding pattern, they call that. So what else do we have? The
1: rules of the game. That was bronze medal. Who's our silver medal? I can't remember what we recorded. <laughs> hold on, let me look this up. Let me be a professional here. Let me be a pro. Here's the list. Na, 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 na. Okay, gold medal still is La Dolce Vita. Mm-hmm. Then you have We Thought Seventh Seal, about the end of the world, was a silver medal yeah. it just edged out rules of the game. Yeah. Chaplin has yet to land. We need to decide if Jaws makes the present podium. I mean, it's obviously not as serious as those films. More of a summer classic, more of a popcorn and Coke film. More yeah. of a kitchen- not even a kitchen table this is a this is a backyard and summer film this is this is a blockbuster and it's in it, almost prototypical in
0: in its effect, but I in mean, that
1: way it's also definitive it's kind of like this whole type great. of film it's one of the best of these types of films
0: I don't know that I would say it's better or more important than the rules of the game but It's probably more entertaining, and it's more important now where Rules of the Game came out in like the mid-30s. I agree. We're on the same page. Now
1: let's talk about Seventh Seal. Seventh Seal is a classic film, but it doesn't have this great shark plot. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if he played chess with a shark... It does start on the ocean. Both start with a, a view of the sea and end. It's true. Are you going to put it as a bronze medal currently behind Seventh Seal? You're the boss. This is your podcast.
0: I, w- I would not currently. This is a four, but this is a strong four for me. Wait, it's, it's fourth. It's behind Rules of the Game. I think it is. Oh, gosh.
1: That's, See, we can disagree here, though. No, you win. You always win. I just heckle. Now, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm going to find... This is a challenge to me. I'm going to find... Because this is tough with you. I'm going to find an American film... To crack the top three that's my
0: goal from now on see you know what and i might change my mind but i don't plan to watch jaws again i feel like i could re-watch the rules of the game next week and find a lot of stuff but maybe the the actual virtuosity of jaws is just how well it's made there are you other, know, the there, story, the story we actually got into some deeper themes than I thought, because they're not overtly presented to you, or they are. I mean, some of it is, like the nudge-nudge mayor and everything, but the it is more just kind of the fabric of the film, and rather the text of the film. And so some of speak. it, too, is
1: genre. Can a thriller that's just a fun summer thriller... Ever achieve a high ranking? Can the University of Oregon, with their high-speed offense, ever win a national championship? Probably not. They, it's genre. Yeah. We're also talking genre. I'm just giving you feedback for your rankings that you have total authority.
0: But the truth is, to Oregon's going to win a bunch of games, and they're going to have dope uniforms the whole time, and they should be proud of. Love watching it. They have a legacy. Jaws is a legacy. Yeah, it does. It really does. And I think this is a great film. And I think that this deserves to be on these list of best films, best American films, sight and sound, and all that. But it's last place. I'm just reiterating, it's last place for you.
1: We'll get back. I think we'll have to, yeah. it will not always. leave it there. It won't always be last place. That's true. All right. Um,
0: How do we end? Well, let's thank Patrick Keene for his nudge at, Uh, in this direction our previous guest on the 7CO episode let's thank our sponsors Patrick it was good let's thank our sponsors our parents Katie Katie DiPiro your sister Katie's a sponsor why is Katie a sponsor?
1: because she she came up with this idea you guys should do a podcast
0: she's an intellectual sponsor she hasn't given us any money
1: we don't need money
0: we don't need money money's not we're we're in it for the love of the game which is why it's number 3 the love of the, the real of the game we should change our name the love of the real let's do that and then we'll just do fish films okay thank you guys for joining us again i like jaws i knew you put it
1: in the last place